Hey there, Crosswinds family and friends. I am excited to be in our third week of our five-week series, Hope Rising. But before we jump into the series, I, I just want to take a moment and give a shout out to our Hopewell campus that meets on the Ontario County Jail. Um, we have not been able to stream into the county jail uh, due to the COVID-19, this pandemic, and regulations that deal with that. But We've been able to start putting the service on our on a DVD and, and send it into them that way. And so we're once again connected with those of you on the Hopewell campus. And I want to let you know uh, that we have been praying for you, uh, that we've been anticipating this moment where we could uh, sort of be united again, at least this way, and, and can't wait until Bible studies and those things can also start back up uh, with you on the campus there in Hopewell. Uh, I want to take a moment also just to, just to pray for us, uh, just as lead pastor, just to, just to be able to um, sort of pray with you. Now, obviously, you're not here, but, but in your small space, just know that, that I daily am lifting you up in prayer. And so I take it as a privilege week after week to be able to come on the weekend uh, time to, to be able to gather and, and pray like this for you so you can hear my heart for you and, and we can lift up our needs to God. So let's take a moment and, and just pray. Father God, we do come before you and we thank you because there's much to celebrate. We know that many in the world probably don't see it, but but we do. Uh, We gathered last weekend uh, celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And and, and that's not just something we celebrate once a year, we celebrate it every day. So even today, we celebrate the fact that the resurrected Lord is living in us, that we have this personal relationship with you and that you are on the scene and you're working. And so, Lord, I continue to pray for those who are wrestling with physical issues, Lord, and that those may be connected with COVID-19, maybe some that aren't. But in the midst of this pandemic and these stay-at-home orders, it magnifies the difficulty of those things. Emotionally, Lord, I know that there are some that are just really struggling. And I pray, Lord, that you'd meet them where they're at, that those that are dealing with depression, that you would just be their encourager and Let them know that although they may feel alone, they are not. And Lord God, spiritually, I pray that we would take advantage of the time that we have to be able to draw closer to you, to be able to uh, experience your presence, perhaps in ways that we never have before. May we take advantage of jumping into your word and being in prayer and learning those spiritual disciplines or exercises in such a way that would just allow us to grow in you because we don't come to simply talk about a philosophy. We're here to to celebrate you, our Lord. We're yours. And so we pray that you'd have your way and, and we declare that we trust you. And yet, Lord, we are honest enough to say, help us where our trust is lacking. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I shared last week, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the scripture tells us that after Jesus rose from the dead, he presented himself alive to well over 500 people. And then Jesus taught his disciples further about the kingdom of God. 40 days later, 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus and the disciples and others went to the Mount of Olives. And there Jesus promised that they would soon receive the Holy Spirit. He blesses them. And then he ascends to heaven. Now, the Bible clearly teaches that Jesus' ascension was literal. It was bodily return to heaven and was observed by many onlookers. 
Uh, as the disciples kept looking into the sky, and can you picture the moment, wouldn't you still be looking into the sky as Jesus ascended? Two angels appeared and promised Christ would return in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. What a remarkable moment in the life of those disciples. Now, much is spoken in churches about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and rightfully so. I mean, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the apex of human history. It marks a turning point in our relationship with God. These two events radically changed the human predicament. And Jesus did indeed die for our sins and was resurrected for our salvation. So much should be said in churches about those two things. But unfortunately, little is spoken about the ascension of Jesus Christ. It's a shame because Jesus' ascension really marks his finished work in our salvation. In fact, when we look at the ascension of Jesus Christ, Jesus' ascension signaled the end and signified the success of his earthly ministry. In other words, all that Jesus had come to do was accomplished. Jesus' ascension also marked the return of Jesus' heavenly glory, symbolizing his exaltation by the Father. When Jesus humbled himself and came to earth, he placed upon his divinity humanity. And as Jesus walked upon the earth, his his glory was, was, was present, but, but wasn't shining. Like, like people saw him and, and, and they saw Jesus. They, they didn't see Jesus as God. They saw Jesus and Jesus taught them that he was God. Jesus was God, but it wasn't as if um, they saw him the way Moses did when the Shekinah glory we're told in scripture sort of shone through Moses because of the glory of God sort of being placed upon Moses himself because he was in God's presence. But when Jesus was resurrected and ascended to heaven, we're told that he was given a name above all names and that there's a point in history where every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. In other words, those of us who have said yes to Jesus will one day profess in his person everything we believe today. Jesus, you are Lord. But those who have not said yes to Jesus will still come to the reality of who he is. That doesn't mean they enter into a relationship with him. It just means it's undeniable at that point. Jesus' ascension allowed him to prepare a place for us. I love that one. Jesus' ascension indicated the beginning of his work as our mediator. But Jesus mediates on our behalf before God the Father. And Jesus' ascension set the pattern for his return. Think about it. Jesus will return just as he left literally bodily and visibly. What is remarkable is that God's word teaches us that we're called to live an ascended life with Jesus. That as Jesus ascended, we're called to live an ascended life with him. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7, this is, this is what we read. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming age he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Paul, in these verses, 
is really writing about the past and the present and the future work of God in our salvation. You say, Craig, what do you mean? Well, let's dig a little more into those verses. Look at, look at verse 5 again. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. God, God's love is so profound that he loved us when we were still dead in our trespasses. God, God still loved us when we were dead in our sin. In fact, the scripture teaches us that the wage of sin is death. And, and when we were not even showing any love at all toward God, God still loves us. So God took those dead in sin. Let me say that a little differently. God took each and every one of us, because all of us were dead in our sin, and allowed us to share in Christ's death so we could share in his resurrection. And what's that really mean? It means that, that when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, it was a substitutionary death. He died in our place. See, any finite act against an infinite God has infinite consequences. And I shared, that, that's the bad news, right? But the good news, the good news is that a finite act of an infinite God has infinite consequences. And so when we say yes to Jesus, his death on the cross was our death, and his resurrection was our new life. God took those who were far from him and drew us close. The old person we were before receiving Christ was crucified, and now we're this new creation in Jesus. The old things passing away, the all things being made new. And if that's not enough, the great work of salvation is not earned, but by the grace, by the extreme love of God offered through the finished work of Jesus. Then we jump into verse 6. God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What does Paul write? Look at it. He says, we have been seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Our present position as a Christian is to be in the heavenlies with Jesus. Now, this is sort of a, a hard thing to wrap our mind around because my guess is you're watching this in a small space and you're saying, Craig, I'm sitting on my couch. I'm not in heaven right now. <laughs> or, or I'm watching this in my car and, and I'm not in heaven right now. But it's talking positionally in Christ we have a new place for living, a new arena of existence, being citizens of heaven. Since our life and identity is in Christ, we're identified in Christ through his resurrection, and we're identified with Christ through the crucifixion, his death and resurrection, we also identify with Christ where he sits in heavenly places. What's that really mean? It means we have a right to the kingdom of God. It means that we can be filled with the joy of the Lord as we walk in fellowship with him. We'll return to that in a minute. But look at verse 7. God did this so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Not only did God show us his amazing love when Jesus came and died for us, not only does God show us his extreme love 
when we're given the opportunity to enter into a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. But the scripture tells us that God will continue to show the immeasurable riches of his love toward us into the unforeseeable future. I don't know about you, but that just excites me. To think about the fact that the very love of God that we see displayed on the cross made available to us because our Lord is resurrected, living and calling us unto himself. But that extreme love will continue to be washed over us in immeasurable ways from now into eternity. God will never stop dealing with us on the basis of his extravagant love. He will never, he will forever continue to unfold heavenly riches to us throughout eternity. And so back to verse six, today. Today the believer lives in the heavenlies with Christ. We're called to live the ascended life. What is the ascended life? Living the ascended life means you live like a citizen of heaven while dwelling here on earth. You live as one who brings the kingdom of God into the relationships and circumstances you find yourself in. You you think like Christ thinks. You, You possess heaven's point of view, seeing yourself as loved by God, fully resourced, covered in grace, and empowered by the Spirit to share the message and love of Christ to the world. Let me say that again. It means you see yourself as loved by God, fully resourced, covered in grace, and empowered by the Spirit to share the message and love of Christ to the world. We are to to walk like Jesus walked, demonstrating what an ascended life works like, looks like to the world around us. I mean, it's, it's amazing to me. How, how does this ascended life occur? How, how, does, how does one go from merely being a earth dweller to a citizen of heaven who dwells on earth? Well, the ascended life occurs when we partner with the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at that a little more next week, but But as we talk about the Holy Spirit, we know that the very Spirit of God indwells every believer. I've shared before, it's it's a daily practice of mine. I get up every morning, and I actually say good morning to the Holy Spirit. That may seem weird to you. That's okay. You don't have to do it that way. But I thank him for inviting me to do life with him today. And I say, Lord, I I, want to partner with you. And then I acknowledge, but you're the senior partner. We're not co-equal partners. Uh, We're not one of many partners. You're the lead partner, and you're the one who directs my steps. You're the one who leads me. You're the one I'm dependent on. And and when the Spirit leads us, some amazing things happen. See, in our partnership with God's Spirit, he leads us in the journey of becoming more and more like Christ and enabling us to, to, to be able to see from a heavenly perspective. How many of us need that every day anyway? But how many of us feel somewhat helpless in this pandemic with stay-at-home orders and being told to wear masks? The other day, I was, I was uh, getting ready for taking my walk, and, and the only mask I now have, I, I've, I've ordered some that are supposed to come probably in four years, but, but, I, but the only mask I had was a hunting mask. It's camo, and it's a full hood, and so I put the mask on 
to take the walk because I, I didn't want anyone to look at me as if I wasn't following the orders of our governor. And, and I put on a pair of sunglasses and my hat and gloves. And when I came back into the, the truck and I looked at myself in, in, the, in the mirror, I realized if I had dressed like that at any other time, someone, a police officer would be following me around thinking I was doing something wrong. Like it's the only time in the world that you can really wear a mask and go into a food store and people are excited about it. Usually people would be pretty freaked out by it. And I don't know about you, I need a heavenly perspective. Like I appreciate our leaders and them letting us know what's going on and that's so important. But I can get so lost in those things that I go, man, when is this gonna end? What's going on? My friend lost his job and, and all these things. And then all of a sudden I step back, okay, spirit, speak to me, you know, direct me. Help me get a heavenly perspective. Now understand that heavenly perspective doesn't mean I know when this is going to end. So don't email me or call me for that. But it gives me this, this knowledge that God is in control. I, I don't know exactly how everything's going to work out, but he is in control. This partnership empowers me to address situations from heaven's viewpoint knowing that God isn't against me. And so, you know, going through difficulties and, and, and even this challenge of this, this stay-at-home pandemic, wear a mask type thing, that God isn't against me, that, that, that he wants me to, to even prosper in the midst of this. He wants to bless me so I can bless others. Not, not necessarily in the ways the world sees blessings, but in the way that, that the scripture speaks of blessings, that the very peace of God in the midst of turmoil the very power of God in the midst of somewhat feeling powerless, the confidence that God can, can walk me through this. In, in short, believers who embrace the ascended life live as those seated with Christ in the heavenlies. It, it, it's confidence in knowing as Jesus looks on, on all of history, like, like God knows everything, everything that's happened, everything that's happening, everything that's gonna happen, that, that when I'm seated with him in the heavenlies, it allows me to have confidence, not necessarily to always see as he sees, but to trust that he is seeing and working and active in those things. That's living the ascended life. What, what's the practical impact of such a life? Practically speaking, living the ascended life takes place when a believer is, is surrendered to and, and, and walking in step with the Spirit while accepting her new identity and purpose in Christ. So it's, it's walking with the Spirit, which means surrendering to him, while we acknowledge who we are in Jesus and our purpose as part of his kingdom. I mean, the practical impact is really seen when we accept and recognize the following. When we realize that we're God's very own, when we when we realize that we're his, when we accept that we are loved by God beyond compare, when we discover that we are worth God sending Christ to die for us. Let's camp there for a minute. I'm not speaking of being arrogant and simply saying, well, I'm worth this. You know, arrogantly proclaiming, I'm worth Jesus dying for me. No, no, I don't mean that. I mean, from God's perspective, you don't put your son in a situation where you put him in a situation where he dies for somebody without seeing worth in the somebody or somebody's in which he's dying for. And so I'm overwhelmed and, and humbled and blessed 
to think of the fact that I discover in Christ that I was worth God sending his son for me. That's how much he loves me. We walk as those forgiven by God. Again, let's just rest there for a minute. Think about that. We walk as those forgiven by God. It doesn't mean that we don't still have hurts and, and habits and, 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 and all these things that we were still working through with God. It, it doesn't mean that at all. It, it doesn't mean that we're, we, we don't come to him and ask for forgiveness when we do things that we ought not to do and say, God, just forgive me for that. But it means we're covered with the blood of Jesus. We're forgiven. It doesn't mean we walk around again arrogantly. It just means that we can have this humble confidence that God has loved us. We don't have to feel shame. We don't have to live in fear. We accept that we're a child of God. We walk as those set free by Christ. Those hurts, habits, and hang-ups that God's still helping us work through. The reason we can work through them, allow the Spirit of God to help us work through them confidently is because he's already forgiven us of those things. We already have victory in him. And so we walk as those free as he continues to free us from those things. We're set apart unto the Lord for his service and and we're more than conquerors. And, And let me just say, that's just a partial list. I mean, take a moment and think about it. That's just a partial list of who we are in Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's you. This is your permanent identity. Since this is our new identity in Christ and we're seated with him in the heavenlies, living with the kingdom perspective and with kingdom power and daily thinking and living in such a way that it reflects that. That's that's what God calls us to. It's not enough to simply know who we are in Christ and the power and wisdom God has given us at our disposal. We really have to choose to live like it. I mean, it would be, no good for me. My dad's name is Paul. It'd be no good for me to, to sort of have someone tell me, by the way, you're son of Paul, right? And yet in my life with him, and my dad was a very generous, very giving father, to not live like it, to not, like to not show up at home and to not be able to eat the food and to not be able to take in all the wisdom my dad had gleaned in life and poured into me. It'd be, it'd be ridiculous. And, and, and see, I could still be a child of Paul and not live like a child of Paul, not take advantage of being his child. And I think many a believer does that with Jesus. Like if you said to another believer, you're a child of God, they'd say, I know that. But that's not the whole question, is it? If you know you're a child of God, are you living like it? Are you you walking in the love of Jesus? Are you you feeling the freedom that, that the Lord has given to you? When shame or fear begins to creep up in your life, are you able to say, listen, I'm a child of God and he can help me overcome this. I'm more than a conqueror in him. As a Christian, we need to believe who the Bible says we are. Not what the world says we are, not what others might have said we are, not what we even say to ourselves sometimes who we are. We need to believe who the Bible says we are because that's who God says we are. We're a child of the one true God. We're seated with Christ in the heavenlies. We're empowered to live the ascended life where we believers live as citizens of heaven while dwelling on earth. When the Bible speaks of us being citizens of heaven, it's talking about bringing a piece of heaven into every relationship we have. It's talking about bringing a piece of heaven into every circumstance we find ourselves. See, when 
Paul was writing these words to the church in Ephesus, he understood he was a Roman citizen. And he understood the expectation of being a Roman citizen. A Roman citizen was expected to live like a Roman citizen, even if they weren't living in Rome. In fact, more than that, they were expected to take sort of the culture of Rome to every city in which they lived, whether it be Ephesus or Corinth or any of the other cities that that were in the ancient world in the Roman Empire. Wherever you found yourself, if you were a Roman citizen, you were to accept yourself as a Roman citizen and then conduct yourself in such a way that a piece of Rome was was in every relationship and, and was changing the culture. And when Jesus invites us to live the ascended life with him, he's saying, I'm going to empower you to be a fulfillment of that prayer that we've often prayed. We call it the Lord's Prayer. That part of it, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. I don't know about you, but a lot of times I've prayed that and stepped back, like just waiting for something to happen. And sometimes it does, but more times than not, the Spirit nudges me and says, you prayed it, now let let yourself be part of the fulfillment of that. In this relationship, bring a piece of heaven to that thing. In this circumstance, bring a piece of heaven to that thing. If you allow me, Craig, to fill you with the peace of God, then when you walk into the chaos, you can bring a piece of heaven there. Now, a Roman citizen knew whether they were in Rome or in Ephesus, whether they were in Rome or in Corinth. No, no city was going to be just like Rome, just like the earth will never, this side of Jesus' coming, second coming, will never be paradise. But we can bring such a piece of paradise into our relationships and in our community, in this region, in the parts of the world in which we live. But others crave the eternal home that those in Jesus are destined to be with him for eternity. That's what it means to live the ascended life. God calls us to live as citizens of heaven, bringing a piece of, of heaven to places where we live. God invites every believer to live the ascended life. We must partner with the Holy Spirit to experience the practical impact of this ascended life. And as we, as we partner with God's spirit, what does he do? He teaches us how to be more and more and more like Jesus, more and more and more like citizens of heaven. So we can bring that peace into our relationships. We can bring that peace into the world around us. It begins by truly accepting who we are in Christ, believing we're a child of the one true God, allowing his spirit to to work in us, believing that positionally we, we are seated with Christ in the heavenlies, that we can live the ascended life with him. And as he does that work of, of filling us, right? We know we have a right to the kingdom. So as he does that work of filling us with the resources of heaven, we're able then to take those blessings and bless others with them. I don't know where you find yourself as you're listening to this, but I want you to know that God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you on the cross. He didn't just say he loved you, he displayed it on the cross. But we don't worship a savior who just died for us, we worship a risen savior. And we worship a savior who's ascended to the father, who has given us the gift of this indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that positionally we're seated with him so we can believe who we are in him. We know we have a right to the kingdom. The power.
power and promises of Scripture can be activated in our life in such a way that we can give pieces of heaven to those around us. If you've yet to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, I, want, I just want to encourage you to do that. That's your next step. He loves you. He's calling you unto himself. And if you've taken that step, maybe this message just reminds you of who you are. Or maybe you're new in Christ and, and, and this, this word, this word from God's word encourages you to just take a moment and, and once again receive the truth of who you are in him. Wherever we find ourselves, as I pray in just a moment, won't we just take the step that he's calling us to take with him? And again, if you've received Christ or need more information on, on how to take your next step with Jesus, just text the word yes to the number that you'll see at the end of the service on the screen. And, and I'll tell you, um, we want to get you some information. We want to walk with you. We can't walk alongside you necessarily in this time of, of, of sort of physical distancing. We want to give you some information and, and come alongside you in any way we can. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your profound love. Thank you for your word. That every time I dig into your word, I, I, I learn more about who you are and I learn more about your love for me and I learn more about my purpose in you. And I'm amazed. I'm amazed that my relationship with you through Jesus Christ wasn't just a, a way to, to spend eternity with you, although that would be more than enough. But it's also an inv invitation to do life with you today, to live the ascended life, to live with one who has your perspective, your wisdom, your power, your confidence. Not just for me, but for those around me, that a piece of heaven wouldn't just exist in my life, but be able to be passed on into my relationships and circumstances. Lord, if there's someone who's yet to enter into that relationship, I pray even now in the quietness of their heart that they'd say yes to you, that they'd receive you as their Lord and Savior. And oh, Lord God, for those of us who have, help us today be reminded of what we've been offered in you, not just our salvation, but the ability to walk with you in power and in peace in such a way that we can share you with others. And we give you all the praise, all the praise, Lord God, for what you've done, for what you're doing, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.